Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We don't have a good martini for you today. We have bad, probably crazy, and definitely bad again for our third martini uh, today, Jim. Uh, and as you lead off your morning jolt today, a personal foul on Herschel Walker. It was just yesterday we were talking about how the Republicans had uh, noticeably grabbed the momentum in the race for the battle of the Senate. Still very tough to accomplish given the circumstances right now, but uh, with things looking better for Ron Johnson and Pennsylvania basically being a toss-up, we might actually get to the point where Republicans only need to pick up one. And you mentioned Nevada being a good opportunity. And right now that's really looking like the best opportunity. I mentioned Georgia with Herschel Walker uh, edging ahead of Raphael Warnock in some polls. But after what happened yesterday, it's hard to see Herschel Walker keeping any momentum. We will see. Crazier things have happened. See Access Hollywood 2016. But uh, yesterday, the Daily Beast had a story about a woman who claimed that Herschel Walker paid for her abortion. I think it was a little over a decade ago. She even had the receipts. She had a card from Herschel Walker talking about how he hoped she uh, recovered and so forth. So it seems to be a well-documented story. He, meanwhile, uh, goes on the offensive, uh, calling it a lie, which sent his son, Christian Walker, off on Twitter. And Christian Walker is a conservative, as far as we can tell, uh, based on the podcast that he hosts and and other things. But this uh, really set him off. He says, quote, on Twitter, I know my mom and I would really appreciate if my father, Herschel Walker, stopped lying and making a mockery of us. You're not a family man when you left us to bang a bunch of women, threatened to kill us, and had us move over six times in six months running from your violence. I don't care about someone who has a bad past and takes accountability, but how dare you lie, all caps, and act as though you're some moral Christian upright man. You've lived a life of destroying, caps again, other people's lives. How dare you? And then he went on video Twitter this morning, and here's a little bit of that. I stayed silent as the atrocities committed against my mom were downplayed. I stayed silent when it came out that my father, Herschel Walker, had all these random kids across the country, none of whom he raised. And you know my favorite issue to talk about is father absence. Surprise, because it affected me. That's why I talk about it all the time, because it affected me. Family values, people. He has four kids, four different women, wasn't in the house raising one of them. He was out having sex with other women. Do you care about family values? I was silent lie after lie after lie. The abortion card drops yesterday. It's literally his handwriting in the card. They say they have receipts, whatever. He gets on Twitter. He lies about it. Okay, I'm done. Done. Everything has been a lie. And so for the right to say I'm being suspicious for saying, hey, I'm, I'm done with the lies, when you all have been calling me saying, is this true about your dad? Gosh, we're not going to win Georgia, this candidate, that's been you. So, Jim, it's hard to know exactly what the most damaging aspect of this is for Herschel Walker. I would guess it's the allegations of domestic violence that forced them to move. But the whole infidelity situation, the paying for the abortion when he just said he'd vote for the 15-week ban and so forth makes, makes him look like a hypocrite, of course, to so many people. So, uh, again, we don't know in politics these days how much of an impact it's it's going to have. My suspicion is a lot of people were voting for Herschel Walker mainly because they want to get rid of Warnock. But what's your take on all this? Greg, you are correct that stranger things have happened, but... It's very hard to see how a campaign can handle a one-two punch like this. 
And, you know, it is worth noting Herschel Walker wrote in his autobiography about past mental, serious mental health issues, basically saying that he had disassociative personality disorder, like a split personality. He describes playing Russian roulette uh, with a loaded gun. You know, Herschel Walker in his past had very severe problems. And I feel like if he had been upfront with all of this, including the other allegations of other children out of wedlock, the public might have been sympathetic. The public might have been able to say, okay, we know you went through some tough times. We know you had some uh, fairly serious mental health issues. You seem to be okay now. But if you've been hiding it, this is not going to work out. And then the denunciation from Christian Walker is really tough. And I'm seeing people saying today, ah, you know, the kid's got problems. Okay, but like, if he's got problems, some of that is on Herschel Walker. And secondly, what, do you think his son has been a Raphael Warnock deep cover planted, you know, uh, secret agent the whole time? I, I think it's very clear here that Herschel Walker has some serious problems in his life that would give a lot of Georgia voters pause. Now, if you are a Republican in Georgia and you still want to vote for Herschel Walker, that's fine with me. If you are a pro-life uh, Georgia voter who looks at this and says, well, Herschel Walker, maybe he paid for an abortion in the past. But he says he's pro-life now and he will support pro-life policies. The alternative, Raphael Warnock, is a pastor who uh, supports taxpayer funding for abortions. If you look at that and say, I still think Herschel Walker is the better choice, go right ahead. It's a free country. Make whatever decisions you like. But I don't think we can dispute that Herschel Walker really wasn't ready to run for Senate. And I said, this is one of the consequences of nominating a rookie candidate. Herschel Walker has never run for Board of Education, uh, town council, city council, state legislature, U.S. House, anything like this before. And if he had done that before, then there's a good chance that you know, he would have been vetted. He would have had his background scrubbed. People would have started looking around into his background. And this issue would have been resolved. And it wouldn't be coming to the public's attention a month before Election Day in a Senate race that Republicans really saw as a must win. You can get him to 51 or 52 seats without it. But boy, you really need something to kind of break their way like Pennsylvania or something like that. I don't want to say that, that Herschel Walker is toast based on this, but those, you know, even when he had the lead, it was a very small lead. It was very likely to that neither he nor Raphael Warnock were going to get, were going to get 50%. And that was going to end up going to a runoff. And then you figure it's a jump ball. Although Re Georgia Republicans have seen runoffs not go well for them in the very recent past. I, looking at this, I think the odds of Raphael Warnock hitting 50% are looking a little bit better. And I think the, um, you know, there's a libertarian candidate. It's possible that libertarian candidate will get some more votes. This is just enormous self-inflicted wound. Now, a lot of people are going to want to blame Donald Trump for this. And I've had some interesting email exchanges with people already this morning. You can blame Trump somewhat for this. I do think you have to keep in mind that Herschel Walker was still a big, famous celebrity who was beloved in the state for the University of Georgia's championship, and he won the Heisman Trophy, and he was arguably maybe the greatest college football player of all time. And so he already began this with significant advantages, and none of the other candidates really even came close. I think the second-place finisher was at like 13%, and Walker was at like 67 68%, something like that. So... You know, I, I don't think you can put all of this on Trump, but on the other hand, he certainly didn't hurt uh, Herschel Walker. And again, this is a race where if you had a nice, normal, generic Republican, <clears throat> Tim Pawlenty, you probably would have a much better odds of this. This is going to be an absolute struggle for Republicans to win. 
we'll see how things shake out, but I don't think this is, you know, good news. And I, I don't think you can dismiss Christian Walker as just, you know, at the last minute deciding to make things up to sabotage his father's bid. I, you know, he's been supportive in the past. This story was on his last nerve and I think it's very regrettable. I hope the Walker family works out all of their issues, but this is not where Republicans wanted to be one month before the election. No, it's not. And there's I'm seeing stuff on Twitter this morning with uh, Republican officials, I think at the state level, but uh, who knows? It could be from D.C. also saying if Walker loses, this is all on Christian Walker. No, <laughs> that is not the case. And that is also not the right response at this point. If you want to, you know, try to keep this thing afloat, there is a somewhat parallel story with Warnock. Remember, it's just earlier this year that his ex-wife uh, filed legal action saying that he failed to reimburse her for childcare costs. And then at one point, uh, he ran over her foot uh, and, and accusing him of being a great actor. So some some similarities here. But to try and uh, turn this on the kid, he's an adult, but uh, to turn it on the child like this is, is not smart. It's not right. And it's certainly not the way to, to, to try and salvage whatever's happening with this campaign right now. All right, on to our second martini, and this I think is crazy, but it's also bad because Joe Biden, uh, if if nothing else, Jimmy inspired a fantastic Twitter thread from you yesterday about Joe Biden constantly trying to identify uh, with whatever group uh, he's talking to, and it's led to some whoppers uh, over the years. Corn Pop, of course, being the most famous, but uh, he's always he's always got some story that he thinks will endear him to his audience. And yesterday he was in Puerto Rico uh, surveying the hurricane damage there, trying to offer support uh, because they just went through a hurricane. I think it was Fiona not that long ago. Uh, and he eventually got around to saying this. And so I, uh, I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home politically. And so we, and we came here for a long time. Uh, both for business and pleasure, since you're part of the Third Circuit Court. I was sort of raised in the Puerto Rican community at home politically, Jim. So, I mean, I'm sure there were some Puerto Ricans in Scranton. I'm sure there were some near him in Delaware. But to say he was raised in the Puerto Rican community, I mean, this guy, uh, it's just amazing. Yeah, look, he's a fabulous I do think there's this fascinating common thread that runs through almost all of these. It is, it begins with some sort of, I know you, I know your people. Let me tell you how much I know your people. And often I think he means, you know, in his mind, he's coming across as friendly and relatable and, you know, good old Joe backslapping, you know, but it often comes across as either condescending or tin eared um, or, or just, you know, kind of uncomfortable. One of the worst examples probably was the infamous, you know, you cannot go into a 7-Eleven unless you have uh, uh, speak with a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking. <laughs> um, which he said to an Indian American supporter at some event, I think this was during the 2008 campaign. And the Indian American who was greeting him hadn't said anything about being Indian American. He hadn't said anything about convenience stores or anything like that. And then, you know, you think about it, that's, that's just a really kind of jerky thing to say. It's really kind of, you know, that, that it kind of, you know, you see an Indian American, hey, convenience stores. And I think it's kind of, you know, it's kind of racist. The same comment of, ha, you're not voting for me, you ain't black uh, to an African-American uh, radio host is similarly just presumptuous. Just this idea that Joe Biden has earned the right to decide who's authentically black and who isn't. 
And then this idea of, oh, let me tell you how far I go back with the Puerto Ricans. Let's hear some specifics. And we should point out, Gordon Pop was a true person. Now, whether the story shook out the way Joe Biden remembers it is another story. But, you know, at least that, that person, there was someone with that nickname in Delaware way back in the day. But as he did this, and I'm like, you know, ah, oh, you know, I, I was sort of raised by a Puerto Rican family. Come on, you know. And there's always some sort of like, you know, you know, a lot of folks don't know. I used to deliver papers to the Norwegians, you know, <laughs> whatever group he's speaking to. He's got some connection with them going way back when. Yeah, I played stickball with the Bolivians. I kicked their tails up and down this block. True story. You can ask Corn Pop. He remembers. Or, you know, we used to go into the Indonesian neighborhood of Scranton, cruise the streets, flirt with the girls, you know, or the Estonians in Wilmington. Don't, pl don't play cards with them. They're rough, you know. <laughs> like, it is always some group, no matter how specific the group is. Let me tell you, the Andorans, you know, <laughs> he just kind of keeps coming up with these, these groups and, and he's always got this. And the stories never quite check out, like the time he used to drive the big rigs and um, and all of that. And it's just, I know he thinks he's ingratiating himself. I think it's actually a bad habit of his. It comes across as condescending, but everybody's gotten used to Biden just saying things that don't really make sense anymore. Oh, he also spent time in prison in South Africa. Don't forget that. That's one. right. All the times he was arrested. Yeah. <laughs> He and Nelson yeah. Mandela shared a cell. True story. <laughs> yes, all the times he spent marching for civil rights, which in 1987 and 88 he said he did not do. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, to me the most cringeworthy of all time is the uh, poor kids are just as smart as white kids because that shows that he really does uh, have this kind of soft bigotry of low expectations like George W. Bush used to talk about where he thinks that only people like him that it's the only hope for certain people to advance in society. And that's uh, just absolutely disgusting. But yeah, he's constantly trying to uh, to identify with people he really doesn't have much of a connection to. But uh, at this point, you know, last week he was uh, asking if somebody who wasn't alive was in the audience. So uh, in the great panoply of Biden gaffes, I'm not sure this one's going to going to have a lot of staying power, but it uh, just kind of adds to the adds to the case that uh, he might not be playing with a full deck right now. Was he ever, Greg? All right. All right. On to our final martini now, Jim. And uh, yesterday, I think it was early evening, I was still at the office and uh, uh, pretty alarming uh, tweets coming over the wire from Japanese media saying uh, the North Koreans have just launched a missile. Pay very close attention to media reports. And as far as I know, Jim, it's pretty rare for the Japanese to do that, even when, you know, Kim Jong-un was uh, test firing a ton of missiles there at one point. Uh, so that uh, raised a lot of eyebrows. Fortunately, uh, did not strike Japan, uh, uh, went into the Pacific and so forth. But here's what Reuters says. Nuclear-armed North Korea test fired a ballistic missile farther than ever before on Tuesday, sending it soaring over Japan for the first time in five years and prompting a warning for residents there to take cover. It was the first North Korean missile to follow such a trajectory since 2017, and its estimated 4,600-kilometer or 2,850-mile range was the longest, traveled by a North Korean test missile, which are usually lofted high into space to avoid flying over neighboring countries. Uh, so, Jim, I think the trajectory being different is a little bit menacing here. It also shows us that the North Koreans are getting a lot more competent at this. We used to kind of giggle at their missile tests because they were kind of duds. Uh, it looks like they're getting a little better. But uh, the saber rattling, uh, there, there seems to be more and more of this. And uh, our, our good close friends in Japan are uh, getting a little nervous there. Yeah. So, you know, there are certain parents who will tell you when an angry toddler is throwing a tantrum, it is best to ignore them. 
that if you try to placate them, if you try to say, oh, here's a cookie, or you try to give them something that they want, they will get, learn the lesson that throwing a tantrum gets them what they want. And I, I think we have to be very cognizant of this kind of mentality when it comes to North Korea. The problem is, I don't know if anything really has worked all that effectively with North Korea. Uh, Trump really tried outreach going to North Korea and holding those summits and giving Kim Jong-un the kind of attention that I think he's always uh, craved. And it did not really change that North Korean behavior in a significant way. Various other administrations have tried to ignore it. They've tried a slightly more confrontational rhetoric. Uh, actually, when it comes to confrontational rhetoric, you know, uh, Trump called him Rocket Man, right? They, they, you know, Trump was, you know, going to say, I've got much bigger rockets and, and all that stuff. So we, a variety of approaches have been tried. None of them seem to be working. It, is, it does seem like as soon as there is some other major geopolitical crisis that is uh, consuming the attention of the world, you get one of these missile tests from North Korea that really does seem like it's saying, hey, pay attention to me. Hey, 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 you still haven't taken care of what I want yet. You know, um, now Japan has been through these sorts of launches before. I do think it felt like the reaction to yesterday's was a little more intense. Again, North Korea doesn't really announce these things. Sometimes our intelligence and our allies' intelligence have a sense of when these launches are going to happen. But it's very tough to know with absolute precision. And so apparently, you know, yesterday evening, our time, I believe it was morning Japanese time, all of a sudden the TVs, they have this warning signal, uh, at least over Hokkaido and certain parts of the country, North Korea has launched an ICBM, please seek shelter. Now, what it is, is that they don't think, you know, and again, maybe this is an issue in translation or an issue of not wanting to put out facts until you can absolutely confirm them. North Korea is not aiming at Japan specifically. It's shooting them over Japan in that direction towards the Pacific Ocean. But there is a non-zero chance that at some point something with that rocket or missile fails and it ends up landing somewhere in Japan. Um, North Korea has done this sort of thing with non-ICBM, non-long-range uh, you know, rockets. They've ended up hitting uh, South Korean islands a couple times back. Oh, this is the 90s or early 2000s or so. Um, the North Korean idea of saber rattling sometimes is to remove the saber and stab you. Um, they have killed people through test launches and stuff like that. And I think even um, the Chinese who are considered significantly more advanced, they have rocket failures and they've had rocket fuel spill into habitated areas and, and places like that. So um, we have good reason to be worried about one of these, you know, are, are North Koreans competent enough to be 100% sure that their missiles will never fail and never land in some Japanese city or Japanese, you know, community sometime. I don't think we know that. And I think that um, this is one of the things that makes it really frightening. Again, usually they want aid or some sort of relief from sanctions or something like that. But if you do that, you're only helping them strengthen their missile program uh, even further. So I, I admit, I don't feel like the foreign policy establishment has many good answers. I don't have the right answer here either. But you got to figure, you know, back when there was that terrifying uh, test of the system out in Hawaii. Um, the Japanese went through something very similar yesterday, and it, there's a good chance they'll have more of these types of experiences in the future. Yeah, unfortunately. And I think your uh, spoiled child analogy is correct. He sees all these other bad actors getting a lot of attention, getting a lot of reaction from this administration. And I think that's probably what he's trying to do here. Hey, don't forget, I'm a villain over here too. <laughs> so... Uh, and, and I don't know what he's going to want, but I'm sure uh, this administration will be totally up to the challenge, Jim, because every <laughs> other international challenge has been met with great competence and skill. Let me tell you, I used to hang out with the North Koreans. <laughs> See that, listeners? That's when you can do kind of a loop around to one of the previous martinis. I like it when we nail it that way. 
Thanks for the setup, Greg. Oh, absolutely. But Jim, just last week, our vice president talked about our warm and fantastic relationship with North Korea. I don't know how things went south so quickly. Maybe that's why they launched the missile. <laughs> we are not friends with Kamala Harris. Don't go drunk to us that way. You're no friend of mine. Oh, wow. Another day. We never know what's coming. Jim, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch if you don't already. Tell a friend about us as well. Thank you so much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Don't forget about Jim's brand new book, Gathering Five Storms, the accompanying short story, Saving the Devil. Also, follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Tuesday and join us again on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. A lot of the media just doesn't cover the most important news of the day. I'm Byron York with the Byron York Show. In my latest episodes, I discuss how the border crisis is continually getting worse and the administration is only concerned about accommodating the illegal migrants who enter the country and not facing the real problem of stopping them. Don't forget to download and subscribe to my daily No Chit Chat podcast. I don't talk about every single issue, just the ones you need to know the most. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.